that brings all things gruesome and historical to the comfort of your own home or car or wherever it is you're listening from. My name is Hannah Prettyman, and I'm here with my father, Kevin Prettyman, to discuss some of the most famous and infamous murders that took place in the medieval and early modern periods. Medieval Murder came to be first as a blog, then as an Instagram, and now as a podcast after I finished my master's dissertation on homicide in early medieval England. The podcast will feature some of the most famous murders in medieval history, some mini-episode series on different types of medieval murders, and interviews with historians and history enthusiasts alike. Today, we'll be talking about the second part of Eagle's saga back in Iceland. So when we last left the saga, Keldov, the Nightwolf, and Skalgrim, or Baldgrim, were preparing to leave Norway for Iceland after the death of Thorolf, the respective brother and son at the hands of King Harold the Fair-Haired. And they had refused to join King Harold. Skalgrim and the Nightwolf felt it was best to leave Norway at this time for their own protection. During King Harold's conquest and unification of Norway, his maternal uncle, Guttrum, was in charge of Harold's armies and fought alongside Harold. After the unification of Norway, King Harold gave Guttrum East Anger and Ringerlike. This is the area surrounding present-day Oslo. Guttrum had two sons, Signorin and Ragnar, and two daughters, Ranghild and Oslong. Upon Guttrum's death, King Harold sent the brothers Halvred and Sigtryd to bring Sigrid and Ragnar back to Trondheim, where the king was. Halvred and Sigtryd were involved in the killing of Thorwolf, and the king had given them all of his properties and possessions. So these are Guttorm's two sons. Correct. And they are Halvard and Sigtrig? They are Halvard. No. Hal- no, they're Halvard and Sigtrig. And they- then who is Sigurd and Ragnar? Oh, though actually Signer and Ragnar are Guttrum's two sons. Then who are Halibard? And Sigtree? Yes. Great question. So if you remember, right before the death of Thorolf, they were the two that were not big fans of Thorolf. And so they had gone to the king and asked permission to kill him. And at first the king said no, then he gave him permission, and they went up to where Thorolf was. Okay. And then the king came, and he died. And as a reward for being involved in that little action, he, the king gave Halvard and Sigtryg all of Thorolf's possessions. So, kind of... Okay, kinda so g- basically they were, like, hired assassins. Um... I don't know if they were at the time. Yeah, we could. I guess we could call them hired assassins. I mean, they were, they were seeking their own stuff, and the king allowed it. Okay. Uh, I I think is the best way to look at that. So, 
so there's really no love loss between the Night Wolf and Skalgrim and Halvred and Sigtrig and of course King Harold the Fairhaired. So as the Night Wolf and Skalgrim were making the preparations to leave for Iceland, they kept a close eye on the water for any signs of potential trouble. They wanted to make sure no one was sneaking up on them. As the Night Wolf and Skalgrim were making their preparations to leave for Iceland, they kept a close eye on the water for any signs of potential trouble. One day when Skalgrim noticed a boat on the water, and it was the boat that had been his brother's, so he knew that Halvard and Sigtrig were probably aboard it. And actually... So he already knew that his brothers were dead. Correct, because if you remember in the last story, the, the king wanted to, uh, I don't know, make reparations for the killing of Thorwulf. Okay. But he he yes. wanted them to join him, and especially Skalgrim, and Skalgrim didn't want to. Okay. So. Gotcha. So Halvard and Sigtrig were on the boat with 50 men, and he had the Guttrum's two sons, Sigrig and Ragnar, with him. And they were... He was taking him to Trondheim to the king. The king appointed a guardian for the Guttrum's land and to act as a foster, as a foster for the girls Rakhildner and Aslong until they were old enough to be married off by the king. So when they took the boys from their father's kind of fiefdom or whatever, he left the girl. The king left the girls there to be married off, and he appointed someone to take care of the lands until the boys were old enough. Because they're not very old at this point. Okay. So Skalgrim's watching the boat. And the boat came in for the for the night. So when he noticed this, the night wolf and Skalgrim slid out for the boat in two separate boats with 20 men each. As they attempted to board the boat at night, the watchman sounded the alarm and awoke the crew. In the fight that ensued... Keldaf wielding a huge double-bitted axe. Keldaf and several of his men went into a frenzy, a berserker frenzy. Mm. Keldaf's axe smashed through Halvard's helmet and embedded in his skull. Wow. Oh. And as Keldaf attempted to pull the axe out, he actually lifted Halvard off and ended up flipping him off the boat. Oh, my God. So do we think the axe killed him? Or do we think being tossed into the icy Norwegian water? I'm, I'm pretty sure if an axe gets stuck in your head so deep that someone can pick you up by that axe and flip you off, I'm pretty sure it was the blow to the head. Yeah, you're, you're probably you know, dead already. Okay. I, I've gotcha. watched a lot, a lot of CSI and I'm thinking that's probably what happened. But, <laughs> and then Skalgrim killed Sigtree. Their attack was swift and brutal and saw most of the kill, crew killed while some jumped in the water to escape. Skalgrim's men used their boat to kill all those in the water. They also killed the two sons, Sigrid and Ragnar. The sad part about that was they were only 12 and 10. Wow. So they, they saw these people swimming in the water and so they just basically rammed them? I don't know if they rammed them or if they used axes or beat them or bows and arrows. Yeah, they just... whatever they did, they they were not uh, wasn't good, wasn't good. No. And they they wiped okay. out almost everybody. 
but there was a few survivors left. And they were allowed to leave, but they were told to give King Harold an account of the fight and this message. The warrior's revenge is repaid to the king, wolf and the eagle stock. Over the king's sons, Halbert's corpse flew in pieces into the sea. The great eagle tears at travel quick wounds. So at that point, the wolf in this is going to be the night wolf, of course, killed him. And the eagle is going to be Skullgrim. Because while he was like a really big man, we know from the first story, that he was kind of almost a giant, he had really great eyesight, is what I found in reading this stuff. So after this battle, they seized the boat and its cargo and sailed it to where their ocean-going boats were waiting. They loaded thoughtless boats with the goods from one of their boats and sunk this boat so no one could use it. And they took the brother's boat with them. Okay. And under favorable wind, they set sail for Iceland with Kaldorf in command of the boat they had taken from Halbred and Sigtreed, his son's boat. And so as soon as they had this confrontation, they were they were on the way to Iceland. So before this time, so they they've been up in Norway this whole time. Did they had they been to Iceland before? Is this their first trek to Iceland? It's, as far as I can tell, it's their first trek to Iceland. So um, had, they, had they heard of it, or were they just like, we're going to sail in this direction? They had heard of it. Um, there was other people that had gone to Iceland before and traveled back and said, you know, there's great land and, you know, there's nobody there. You know, so, so there were some people that had already made the trek to Iceland and were, I guess, homesteading there or... Um, uh, first immigrants to Iceland. Okay. So it is said that when one takes the character of an animal or goes into a berserker frenzy, that in this state, no man is a match for them. So that's probably why the night wolf was able to flip him off the boat, you know, with the guy, with the, the ax in the guy's head. So he's just, he's in a berserker frenzy, so he's... Yeah, if you remember in the first part of the story, we talked about him uh, being a berserker, mm-hmm. also a shapeshifter, the night wolf. Um, you know, he's got a lot. He's got a lot of powers. However, after they go into this berserker mode, they're usually weaker than usual. As they move further out to sea, the night wolf began to succumb to his illness. He gathered the crew and told them he felt it was unlikely that he would see Iceland. And if he should die, they should make his coffin and put him overboard. He said they should send his regards to his son, Skalgrim, and tell him he is already in Iceland and that he should make his home as near to where the coffin comes ashore as he can. That's dark. Yeah, I mean, you know, if you remember in the first story, the Night Wolf was really good about predicting some of the future. You know, he knew bad yeah. things were going to happen to his to Thor if, if he went with the king. Um, you know, he he kind of had not only was a, he a shapeshifter and a berserker, but I think he had that third eye where he could kind of see the future. 
Okay. Which is interesting. Yeah. So shortly after he had met with the crew and told them all this, Coldiff did die. The night wolf died. And the crew put him overboard as he'd requested. As part of the crew on the night wolf's boat was Grim the Hogglander, where he was from. And he was the wealthy son of a guy named Thorin. Grim had voyaged with Keldof and Skalgrim as well as Thorolf. So Grim has, has been a friend, friend of the family through a lot of different, um, not only this voyage, but he had gone on voyages and probably done raids with Thorolf. So he was trusted. Because of these relations he had, that this guy Grim had, he incurred the king's anger. After Coldoff's death, Grim took charge of the ship. They approached Iceland from the south and sailed up the west coast as they rounded the Regigans Peninsula. And that's going to be the peninsula. I didn't say it right. My apologies. That's going to be the, the peninsula that Reykjavik sits on today. Okay. And they saw a fjord. If you get on a map, you can find the Borgen Fjord. And it's like two fjords north of Reykjavik. And it's still named that today. Both ships sailed into, the, into it. And a storm came up with heavy fog and rain. The ships lost sight of each other at this point. When the storm cleared, Grimmitzer sailed further up the fjord, but had lost contact with Skalgrim. They went up the Golfa, or the Steam River, as far as they could, unloaded their cargo, and spent the winter there. They explored the area into the mountains and along the shore. They discovered where the night wolf's coffin had washed ashore in a small bay. They carried the coffin out to the headlands and piled rocks over it, marking the spot. Now, Skalgrim came ashore where a huge peninsula juts out into the sea with a narrow spit below it. They unloaded their cargo there and called the site Canaris, or Nornis, and a Nor is a sailing boat. Skalgrim also explored the area into the mountains, found a forest, a great marshland, as he explored along the shore, he found Grimm and was told about his father's death and taken to this burial mound. They parted for the winter and both returned to their men and camps where they had come ashore and they wintered separately. Okay, so Scala Grimm, since he was in a separate boat, didn't even know that his father had died. No. Okay. So he didn't, he didn't know until he had run into him on shore and then he got the story. It's also interesting that the coffin came came ashore within within the fjord. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm not sure when they put it off the boat. Mm, okay. But I don't know. I'm thinking it's more likely they put it off the boat when they were inside the land. I don't know. But <laughs> if they had put it out when they were out to sea and they found it, that's amazing. Yeah. You know. So the following spring, Skalgrim returned to the area where the night wolf's coffin came ashore and established a farmstead and named it Borg. Good name. Qual yeah. Quality name. Quality name, Borg. And do you I know what that means in Icelandic? I do not. Uh, that's okay. No, I, I don't. But 
when I look at a map of Iceland, I think there's still a town. There's a town called Borgnes, and I think there may, may still be a town called Borg there. And when you do it on Google, you can see lots of roads and stuff. I bet they, I bet they would not like us coming to cruise around and explore. I bet that's not a, a, not. a cool thing to do. But Borg means castle, stronghold, or fortification. Oh, okay. I like that. So in that area of Borg, there were many resources in the air. Fish in the rivers and the sea, whales and seals, the nearby forests and marshlands. They began to establish the farmstead and build their livestock and started to divide up the land. So, you know, they had brought so many animals with them and now they're going to start trying to breed them and increase the herd. So, What kind of animals do you think they brought? In a, I mean, I'm picturing... One of those small Viking ships that's pretty skinny. No, actually, they had, like, the ocean-going ones were wide, were pretty wide. I think I read where they're half as wide as they are long. So if you had a, if you had okay. a 40-foot boat, it'd be 20 feet wide. Okay. You know, um, and also the way they built them, there was area down below that actually... That actually, okay. if they filled it, when when they'd go raiding, they'd fill it with rocks, get their loot, throw the rocks out, so it would ride right in the water, and it's it was more stable when the boat was full, than if it was empty. That you know, sense. and I think okay. they probably had probably horses, probably um, I'm assuming chickens, um, probably sheep. And I don't, I don't know if they had cows or oxen or stuff like that. Okay. But if you go to Iceland today, you'll see a lot of sheep and you'll see Icelandic horses. So, but Skalgrim was a skilled craftsman, set up his forge and began working with iron and building ships. It is said that Skalgrim needed an Edda, a suitable rock to do his iron work on as there were none suitable in the area, just pebbles that washed the shore. He set out his rowboat into the sound and set anchor. He dove down under the water and retrieved a large stone and returned it to shore. It was a huge stone, supposedly that four men couldn't lift, and Skalgrim is said to have done it by himself. The stone is said to still be there, and you can see the hammer marks from Skalgrim's ironwork. So maybe along the shore somewhere in Borg, real big, real rock. big rock that looks like someone used it as a a fort. But he was really he had people that were working for him, and he was you know he was a hard worker, very industrious. Um, and I've got a verse here that he that he supposedly wrote because um, he worked zealously in his forge. And the farmhands complained about having to get up so early. And so he's kind of like his dad, because his dad got up early and then was grumpy in the evenings, if you remember. And it was then that Skalgrim made this verse. The wielder of iron must rise, early to earn wealth from his bellows. From that sack that sucks in, the sea's brother the wind, 
I let my hammer ring down on precious metal of fire. The hot iron while the bag wheezes, greedy for the wind. So he's like a true blacksmith. But being an industrious man, he established another farmstead at Alphonse and a third at Ancro Fields. He set his men up river to fish for salmon. He sent Odd the hermit by Gulfrin to take care of the salmon fishery. And in the process, established the livestock herd. They were allowed to roam freely in the area and eventually into the mountains for summer. Noticing how well the animals did over the summer in the mountains, he established yet another farm in the mountains. And so, I don't know if it's because he was first there or his dad was dead, but we're going to start seeing, like, giving people property. So he kind of takes the lead. Yeah, or assigning people certain things to do. Like, and I think this is going to come up not in this episode. Might be in three or five or I don't know. I, <laughs> I mean, there's a lot to this whole story. Um, you know, he sent Odd the Hermit up by Gulfra and, you know, to run these things for him. And I think we're going to see later on in life it becomes a, an issue for Eggle. That what becomes an issue for um, just, I, I think what ends up happening is people that have been doing stuff for his dad either get a little full of themselves and claim it as their own land at this point, and Eggle gets sideways with them, or Eggle doesn't give them the same respect. I mean, we'll, we'll find out in episode 3, 4, 5, 20. I'm not sure which one. Um, okay. But just kind of remember that... that Skullgrim's giving people stuff, allowing them to do stuff, and then, um, and at this point, it's really early on, and I, I'm not even sure uh, Eggle is born yet. He's He'll be born by the end of the episode, though. Okay. As more people came to this part of Iceland, Skullgrim would help them, in a sense, and assign them or give them areas of land to call their own. So that's kind of what we were just talking about. But as people started showing up in Iceland, he might take them in for the winter and then say, here, you know, you should go over here. This would be a great place for you. So, meanwhile, back in Norway, King Harold was raging over what the Night Wolf and Skalgrim had done. You know, he had confiscated their land, any possessions they had left behind. People who were friends or relations of theirs were beginning to feel the wrath of the king. And he was dealing out some punishment. Many began to flee Norway. So, Yngvar, Skalgrim's father-in-law, set all his possessions in a boat and set sail from Iceland because he was probably public enemy number one there. Upon hearing of his father-in-law's arrival, Skalgrim met him and invited him to stay aboard with members of his party. The following summer, Skalgrim gave Yngvar the farm at Altris and the land around it. Yngvar accepted and did well on this land, becoming a wealthy man. Skalgrim and his wife, Vera, had many children, but they had all had died. They had a son, Thorof, named after Skalgrim's brother, who they sprinkled with water, and he was said to resemble Thorof in looks and disposition. And he was cheerful in character and strong and excelled in skills that was customary for gifted men to practice. So when they said that 
His son was sprinkled with water. Was that baptism? I don't know if it's a baptism. Um, at this point, I mean, they had been raiding Christian monasteries, right? Um, mm -hmm. So they may have known about the custom. And maybe after they had some deaths, they thought, let's maybe baptize them. I don't know if that's what their intention was. But they found that, you know, Thorough survived after being sprinkled with water. You know, so. Okay. Uh, but that's a, a good question. I couldn't find anything that said they were baptizing them, but it, it kind of makes sense. Yeah, okay. And they also had two promising daughters, Shenom and Thorum, who were very promising children. You don't really hear a lot about the girls in these sagas. Um, no, no, probably not. But maybe we'll, we'll find some more out about them. They also had another son that they sprinkled with water, Egil. Now, he was an ugly child with black hair who closely resembled his father. He was big and strong for his age, and at three, he was as big and strong as a boy of six or seven. He became talkative at an early age and had a gift of words. He became difficult to deal with in his games with children of his own age. So I don't know if he was a bully or if he was just didn't realize how strong he was. Yeah, they also just insulted Skalagrim by being like, you are an ugly child that resembles your father. So obviously his father's not not the prettiest to look at there. Yeah, if you remember in the in the first one, that they, they're both, Thorough is like Skalgrim's brother. He's good looking. The way they described Skalgrim at the time, he was this guy. <laughs> He's a, he's a big man. He's a big man and ugly with black hair. And then Skullgrim went bald, and then he was Balgrim. <laughs> so, one spring, Yngvar visited Borg and invited Skullgrim to a feast at his farmstead and said to Bera and Thorof, you should join them as well as anyone else he wanted to bring. So Skullgrim accepted Yngvar's invitation, and Yngvar went home to brew the ale and prepare the feast. Skalgrim had gathered about 15 people to go to the feast, and Egil was not one of them. Egil said he wanted to go, and his father said, No, there's going to be heavy drinking, and you don't know how to behave. You're enough trouble when you're sober. So I don't know, what I don't know how old this kid is at this point, or when they started drinking in Iceland, but... I know, I was just picturing like this seven-year-old just completely drunk on the mead. <laughs> Yeah, I I don't know. I don't know. I you know, you kind of lose time of tra of time and space here. Yeah. So, let's hope he's at least 12. I don't know. Um <laughs> So, after the party left, Egil got one of his dad's pack horses and rode after them kind of at a distance and then followed them through the marshland so they couldn't see him. He arrived late in the evening and everyone was sitting around drinking. Yngvar welcomed Egil and asked him why he was so late, and Egil told him of the conversation with his father and his journey there. So, so he just ratted him out. He was like, I wasn't invited. Right. So I followed, and I'm here now. Yeah, and so, and you got to remember that Yngvar is Egil's grandfather. So what, yes, would your, okay. what, what would your grandfather do if, you know, I said you couldn't go somewhere and you showed up? He'd welcome you. <laughs> You know, and then yeah. tell me what a butt I was. So what Yngvar did is 
He set Egil next to him, facing Skalgrim and Thorough. And at that time, they were entertaining themselves by making up verses. You know, they didn't have, they didn't have Netflix, they didn't have the radio, you know, so they do a lot of poetry. So Egil joined in and spoke this verse. I have come in fine fettle to the heart of Yngivar, who gives men gold from the glowing, curled serpent's beads of heather. I was eager to meet him. Shedder of gold rings, bright and twisted. From the serpent's realm, you'll never find a better craftsman of poems, three winters old than me. Yngivar repeated the verse and thanked Egil for it. The next day he gave him a reward for it. Three shells and duck eggs. Later that day, Egil recited this verse about his reward. The skillful hardener of weapons that peck wounds of eloquent. Egil in reward for three shells. The rear up ever silent in the surf. That upright horseman of the field where the ship race know how to please Egil. He gave him a fourth gift, the brook wobbler's favorite bed. The fourth gift was he let him, he gave him a place to stay for the night. You okay. know, if you think of a brook wobbler's favorite bed, it's a nest. So, you know, he gave him, he gave him some place to stay, you know, and we're going to see this is kind of the end. This is kind of a natural stopping point where we got Egil kind of in the picture now. He's a rambunctious one. He's big. He's, uh, he starts a lot of crap. It sounds like may like to drink some so in a later version later episode we'll we'll get a little more in-depth into him um some things that were really neat here is you know looking at the map of iceland and thinking about you know these people were there in like six to nine hundred and they were kind of the first people there the other thing that's interesting about the whole thing is you know when you think about European expansion, you know, there was always somebody there. Like when we came, came to the new world, when the Europeans came to North America, South America, you know, there's always somebody already there. And I, to me, I think, you know, Iceland is probably the biggest place when people showed up, there was nobody there, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So, so that's interesting, you know, to me. Yeah. Well, it sounds like Eagle's about to just kind of mess, mess some shit up, up in here. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, it, I think the other thing you see in the following episodes is just the problem that people cause. As Iceland gets more populated, I mean, it's not very populated today, but as it got more populated, there's more opportunity for people to become sideways with each other. All right. So we're going to get a lot more murder. I, I think there's going to be some more deaths coming. There's going to be definitely some more feuds, kind of family feuds, feuds between people and revenge, you know. So, yeah. Yeah, perfect. Okay. Well, thank you for listening to Medieval Murder. If you have any listener questions, comments, or topic suggestions, please feel free to reach out via our Twitter account, at Murder Medieval, our Instagram account, at Medieval Murder, or via email at info.medievalmurder at gmail.com. 
Tune in in two weeks for our next podcast. Thank you.